Hey guys, welcome back to Sugar Bee Podcast Miami. I'm your host, Millie Milliliter. What's going on? Um, I'm really excited about this episode today. Um, I was feeling kind of cinematic this week. Um, and I've been slacking on my movie reviews for you guys. So I'm going to do three different reviews. One short one. Two are going to definitely be a little bit more in-depth. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about these great movies um, that I've seen recently or fairly recently. So can't wait to discuss those. But before we get started, just a little bit of housekeeping, right? Um, Happy Black History Month to all of you guys. We are still going strong. February 19th, we have 10 more days in Black History Month left. So um, celebrate how you will. There's been so many different things um, happening out here in Miami. I know that I saw something about uh, like a public cookout. I believe it was at Roots Black House. So um, if I find that information, I'll be posting it. And there's just been like a lot of different things um, that we can support. Um, I have the information for actually for a play. If I could find the information of the play, I will share it. But basically, um, it's this play that's being put on by a really cool um, theater company based out of Liberty City here in Miami. So that's really cool. I, I can't wait to go see that show. So it's called Ain't Misbehaving, the Fats Waller Musical Show. And it's being presented by the M Ensemble Co- um, Company. So basically, they are one of the oldest um black historically black theater companies here in Miami so I'm really excited to go support them I have a friend who um has a friend got a friend who got a friend who um is always on the up and up with this company and all the different productions that they're doing throughout the year so I'm really excited to finally be um able to go to watch a production of theirs I've heard they do, like, a lot of um, really good plays and musicals. And the cool thing is that they're performing black pieces. So, that's really awesome. But basically, the Fats Warner musical show will be running all the way to February 23rd. So, we still have a few days left. So, I will post that information so you guys can um, check it out. Another really cool thing that's been happening this month is um, the Black Lounge um, film series, which um, basically they've been presenting different films that have to do with like the Haitian diaspora. So that is that has been really cool. Um, there's going to um, be one called be one presented oh my gosh what is it called i feel so silly but i think it's called my father's land and basically what they're doing is that they um are picking films that i guess have parallels with edwidge dandicott's book um brother i am dying and so that's really cool because <laughs> she's a very prominent haitian writer and so, um, and she writes a lot about, like, you know, the connection between, and basically this book is about the connection between Haitians in Haiti and the Haitian diaspora and the relationship um, that, you know, these two different um, communities, I guess you could say, have. And so they have accompanying films that kind of expand on those different themes. So that's really cool. So yeah, there's a lot of different events happening around the city um, that are celebrating, you know, Black History Month, that are promoting um, Black-owned businesses. So go out there, show your support in the way that you can. Speaking of this um, Black Lounge Films series, this brings me to my first little tiny review (laughs) so 
basically, um, I was able to go the other day and um and watch a film as part as a part of this series. Um, it's a documentary called "Liberty in a Soup" by Dudley Alexis. So it was really interesting, um, to watch this movie because. As I've mentioned before, I'm Haitian and Colombian, right? My mom's Colombian, my dad's Haitian. Um, I've grown up more with, like, my Colombian culture. But I also still feel really connected to my Haitian culture, even though I don't know the language. I've never been to Haiti um, and I, there's, like, a lot of things I don't know about the culture, but I still feel connected to it, you know what I mean? Like, I claim it, it's mine. <laughs> um, and so throughout the years, I've sought information from family members, more than anything, my dad and my sister, about, like, Haitian culture and just different things about Haiti, and they're not super helpful, <laughs> And not because they don't want to be, but that's just kind of, like, their personality type. Like, and more than anything, my dad. You know, my dad growing up, uh, you know, was very uh, lackadaisical about the fact that I don't know Creole. Um, And literally, to this day, if I'm like, Papi, teach me Creole, he'll be like, oh, we'll take you to Haiti for two months and you'll come back speaking Creole and I'm like that's not that's not the solution I'm a grown person I have a job now I can't do that the the time for that for spending the summer in Haiti has come and gone um whereas conversely with my mom my mom you know I lived with my mom so she had more um opportunities to drill Spanish into my head, drill Colombian culture. I mean, like, took me to Colombia every single year since I was little. I spent most of my summers growing up in Colombia. So I'm, you know, like, I've got, like, that infusion of culture for sure. And I know the language. I know Spanish. So I can, I can communicate with my family members in Colombia and I learn a lot of history from them as well and like I said I've gone I go to like when I go to Colombia I go to museums you know I talk to my cousins I get a lot of information and so it's really hard to do that in the Haiti side because I don't I've never been to Haiti I don't speak the language so it's kind of it's a little bit harder and um definitely I have to be more purposeful with my learning all that being said when I heard about this film series I was like okay yes and I particularly this um I was particularly interested in this one film Liberty in a Soup because it is the story of Jumu which is the Haitian pumpkin soup that we um that we consume on New Year's Day for those of you who don't know, New Year's Day happens to also be Haitian Independence Day. And so it's a big day. Um, and, and like I said, even though I'm not that involved with my culture, I know that. At the very least, I know, okay, <laughs> um, you know, there's Independence Day, there's Flag Day, right? <laughs> those are the two important holidays that I know of. There's Get Fet. That's another important holiday I know about. Um, and, but yeah, like, you have to do, like, your Haitian soup on New Year's. Even when I go to Colombia for the holidays, my dad will always make sure to save me, you know, some soup or make sure I get some soup when I come back. Like, you know, either he makes it or my aunts make, my aunts make it. So, that's how important this soup is, right? And so when I saw... When I saw the flyer for this film, I was like, I got to go check this out. Because really, I thought about it, and I was like, I really don't know too much about that tradition. And then, inclusive, I've had friends um, that have asked me, because they, you know, my friends, like, at this point, know. They're like, hey, why, so why do you have to do the soup on that day? And I really don't know. 
And so, um, I took it upon myself, like, you know what, I'm going to go, like, it never occurred to me that I should probably just do my own research on my own culture or, like, watch documentaries. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and find out from somebody else about this. Um, so I went with my really good friend and who is Nigerian American. And so, um, you know, it was like that cool, like intersection of like two, um, first generation Americans and, um, that come from African descendants. And so that was really cool to do. Um, it was fun because we went and they had, um, they had like the Jumu there. And so we got to drink some Jumu and, um, we were watching the film and it was just so beautiful to me. Like it just really opened my mind and I learned so many different things about Haitian history and culture that it never occurred to me to kind of, like, put two and two together. And it helped me, like, understand a lot of different aspects of our culture. Um, <laughs> for those of you who have never um, listened to one of my movie reviews, I have my star system and my tier system, of course. The stars are the more traditional um, rating system. And then the tiers is based on how many times I cried. So with Liberty in a Soup, five stars. I loved it. Right? Loved it, loved it, loved it. Five stars for story, content. Um, the editing could have been a little bit better, but like it was really informative. Um, and they had a lot of really good resources, like people that they talked to in the documentary, both from like the academic standpoint and from like the cultural, like almost like anthropological, did I say that right? Anthropological, I don't know, whatever the, (laughs) that part, the anthro part, um, of speaking to people, like they were able to speak with both academics and lay people, both in the United States and in Haiti, you know, the, the film director, he traveled to Haiti, um, and he was able to speak, like I said, with lay people, and he just spoke to, like, he has such a good variety of people involved in this project, like, he had native-born chefs, first-gen chefs, he had, um, you know, like, different cultural figures in the community, um, he had, he even had, like, Edward Dandeka, who is the, you know, the Haitian author. Um, he had a lot of, um, different academics, like I said, both represented in Haiti and academics over here that he spoke to about, like, the history, and so it was just a well-rounded film that had so much information, and so it was really good. I highly recommend it, um... And one of the things that he really, he he pointed out in the film is that the story of Jumu is the story of Haitian independence, which was about the fight, you know, um, for independence and for equality on a global scale. Um, and when, like, it's just that it had so much information. A couple things that um, they pointed out that I was like, whoa, I never thought about that. One of the things that they mentioned was that at that time, you know, in like the 17th century, there were um, three different revolutions that were happening around the same time that impacted world history, and which were the American Revolution, the French Revolution, and the Haitian Revolution. And um, this particular person, he pointed out, you know, the Haitian Revolution was the first revolution where it was freedom for a black man. And I, that blew my mind. Like, I was like, whoa, like, wow. Like, that fight was about the fact that black men could be free as well. And independent from a sovereign country, which is what the U- like the U.S. was fighting for as well. So that I I had never put it into that perspective. 
um, another thing that they mentioned was that um, a lot of the infirm, like, like they're working. I guess like scholars are working on better documenting or documenting more about Haitian history, um, and and seeking that information. Because the French worked so hard to make sure, make sure that um, the history was kind of erased and that the, the happenings on the island in that time, that all that information was contained on the island. Because basically, well, not only the French, but the French, the English, I mean, the Americans, like, uh, like a lot of people had interests in keeping a slave revolution you know, news of a slave revolution contained on the island so as to not inspire other revolutions around the Caribbean and South America and the United States, which is insane when you think about it. (laughs) Because, I mean, that right there shows you why information and the news and conversation is important because that's how ideas spread and that's how revolutions start so it, it's crazy to think about it that way and it ne- and, and then also it never occurred to me wow that maybe like you know slaves here in the u.s would have somehow caught word about you know a free black republic and would have been inspired to start their own revolution. So that's kind of crazy. And um, I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, Haiti was the first free um, black republic in the world. And um, there have been a lot of things, there were a lot of things done by um, bigger sovereign powers to keep Haiti down as far as like, you know, the embargo that they had against Haiti, not recognizing Haiti as a free republic. Um, basically the dowry that France put onto Haiti so that they can have their freedom, different things like that and that have contributed to the way Haiti is now. So, um, which are things like I've known about, but I guess like this was a good like refresher on that part but um another thing like one of the most interesting things that I learned was about the role that women played in the Haitian revolution which I think is awesome like women were in you know were part of the rebellion like women were warriors and fought and and what they mentioned was that this was natural because there were uh, because these were slaves, right? Right? Atlantic trade um slave trade. These were women who were royal warriors, you know, a la Wakanda from Africa, from different nations in Africa. So they had the knowledge and the the training to carry out these this revolution and oh my god it was just so amazing i definitely um like i said cried like three times because it like it was overwhelming to think about wow like this is the history of my people like this is what my people did also you know like kind of like the the pain of like wow this is what people did to my people and it's really effed up and um Last point on this um, movie, basically, they were talking about how, like, the story of this soup, um, basically, the overall, like, how the tradition came about is that soup was denied, soup particularly, was denied to the slaves. In France, it was, you know, like, a classist, not classist tradition, but, like, an elitist, I guess you could say, tradition like you if you are a person of wealth you know as we all know we have multi-course meals and people of wealth can afford multi-course meals and so one of the courses before your dinner is soup and so of course the french 
brought that with them the the slave owners brought that back with them so they would have their hearty soup before their dinner and they and because this was a tradition something that was seen that was part of their high french society their aristocratic society if you will um of course they could not allow they were not going to allow slaves to have soup because that would give them status and make them human so the first thing that they did when they were liberated from the french was that you know what you denied us all this now we're gonna have soup and so basically um if i remember correctly it was like one of the wives of like the top general in the haitian revolution she started putting together people to make the soup and they started and in the town where the um independence was declared they started making soup and celebrating of course and passing the soup around to everyone that they could find and they feasted on this soup together that they were once not allowed to drink and so uh, i'm getting emotional just thinking about it it was just really beautiful to learn that story and the fact that also this was like a, a tradition that was brought upon a, brought about by this very powerful woman um that's very that she's very revered in Haitian history and so that was just like really beautiful and I loved it so um I highly recommend watching this documentary it was amazing once again Liberty in a Soup by Dudley Alexis and I'm really excited because um, he's gonna also be participating in the Miami Dade um film like Miami Film Festival, and he's gonna be debuting his newest project, which is When Liberty Burns, and it's gonna debut on March seventh. And um, at this screening, they showed us um, the trailer for this documentary, and it looks amazing. Um, and basically, when Liberty Burns is about the McDuffie riots here in Miami, um, which, you know, were like the race riots, you could say, in the 80s here in Miami. And so I'm really looking forward to that documentary because I know a little bit about the riots and a little bit about that history. But I'm really curious um, to like see what perspective they take i know they talked to mcduffie arthur mcduffie mcduffie's family in the documentary so i'm really like and i love miami history and especially like black miami history is really cool so i'm really looking forward to seeing this film and i recommend and i'll remind you guys as the time gets closer because i really think that that would be a good film to watch and to learn about the history of our city you know like we love to learn of course the good things and it's good to learn the good things but we also need to know the bad to understand um how we can prevent that kind of stuff from happening again All right, on to the next one. Let's get it. Let's churn these reviews out. Um, so I wanted to kind of like discuss, you know, Liberty in the Soup first. It's it's um informational, and so it's documentary. Now we're gonna move on to the fun stuff. <laughs> um, sometimes you know I like to have a balance. You know, learn a little bit, have a little bit of fun, cry a little bit. You know, just have all my emotions in check, pretty much. <laughs> so, I'm going to start off with just mentioning, I'm basically going to do a double bill over here, okay? I'm going to be talking about um, Joker. <laughs> yes, Joker. And I'm going to talk about Birds of Prey. Now, I'm doing this double review because they're both DC movies, um... They're both, they're the last two movies I saw, like, literally, besides the, the, the documentary. Like, literally, the last time I had gone to the movie theaters, um, before I saw Birds of Prey was for Joker. So, it's still pretty fresh in my mind, um, and I actually had written this review a lot, like, as soon as I saw it, and I just, like, never got around to recording it. <laughs> Mostly because I was annoyed with the movie, but, or annoyed with, like, 
the stands for the movie. But now that I saw Birds of Prey and I just started kind of like doing my little review of Birds of Prey, I'm like, you know what? Let's combine this into one. They're both DC. They're characters um, that are related to each other in the in the continuity. I mean, or not in the continuity, but in, in just like the comic book world, the universe. They're related, but they're there are two different spectrums of what's happening with DC or how you can treat a DC movie. And so I am really excited and I'm glad I didn't post that Joker review before. Here we go. All right. You guys have heard me do, if you've been listening to me for a while now since last year, you have heard me do the reviews for a lot of for a few different Marvel movies. I've done the review for Black Panther, for um Into the Spider-Verse. I did and I did the review for um Como se llama? At Avengers Endgame. I did like a, an MCU crazy ridiculous like just MCU review of just the entire storyline kind of so you would think I'm an MCU stan, and I'm really not. I'm definitely, like, a DC girl, and I think I've mentioned it in those reviews. Like, I freaking love DC. Now, I will say, MCU has done way better on the movies. Okay? But DC... I feel has better content, better source material, and better shows. Like they have better everything else. And I don't know how DC can have this translate into a good movie universe. I've said it before on this podcast. <laughs> DC is like trying to play catch up with the MCU. Which is impossible because the MCU has invested now at this point 11 years. Yeah, like 11 years into their movie universe, into world building. Which we all know world building is super important, right? And so it's important to a movie universe. Or yeah, like an extended movie universe. It's important to video games. It's important to like the actual like comic book continuity it's important to the shows like world building is important for us for storytelling in general character development is important for a storyteller so how dc has messed up the dcu so bad i don't understand we they have had we have had like i don't even understand because really, if you look at the other DC movies, they've been good. Like, you know, the Nolan trilogy will always be my baby. That's my fave. But, and then, you know, I mean, we have like the Schumacher, Schumacher Batman, Batman's mo- Batman movie, whatever you want to call it. The several Batman movies by Sh- Schumacher that were interesting, to say the least. But they're there. They're memorable. Um, you know, we have the Tim Burton Batman. I mean, you can't, like, you can't beat that. And, and, and you know, equally, these actors have done a really good job. And I almost take it, like, kind of like James Bond. Like, everyone has their favorite Bond, their favorite directors for Bond, you know. And, and that's the same thing that you could do with Batman. What have they, so how, I don't know how they have messed it up so bad to where we are now, but they need to figure their shit out. They did great with Wonder Woman. I'm excited for um, Wonder Woman 1984. I'm curious to see what, how they explain a lot of different things. So I'm looking forward to that, but, but I don't know how they messed it up. I enjoyed Man of Steel for whatever reason people hated that movie I was okay with with Batman vs. Superman it could have been much better had they used any source material instead of just making up their own story because there's like hundreds of comic books maybe thousands 
like Batman comic books that they could have sourced from. And there's like a lot. There's a, a pretty good amount of, of Batman fighting Superman stories out there. The most prominent one being The Dark Knight Returns, which I believe they were supposed to be drawing from for that movie. And then they took it to a weird place, but whatever. Justice League was okay as well. It lacked that world building so that the MCU has. So yeah, having like the ensemble movie wasn't really like Justice League wasn't that great. But whatever, I will still continually throw my money at them and support them. So here we are. But yeah, so anyways, that's like my brief uh, DCU thing. But so Joker was real hyped up. I, and I haven't, I don't watch trailers anymore. If you guys don't know, I don't watch trailers anymore because I don't want to be hyped. I don't want to know anything because a lot of times the trailers either put the funniest move parts or the worst parts or the saddest parts. They put, like, the the climactic points of the movie. A lot of times they put it in the trailer. Or they put really important plot points. And then you're like, wow, did I just watch the whole movie? So, and I don't like, you know, spoilers. And then, and I don't like, I'm not the type of person to be like, oh my god, they did this. They hired this person. Oh my god, they're doing this. This is what they're saying. No. I don't want to know. I want to go into the movie blind and be completely surprised. And honestly, I've been enjoying movies much more ever since I started doing that. So, I was really trying not to read too much about the Joker reviews and what people were saying. Because I was like, I don't want to get influenced. I want to watch the movie on my own and see what's up with this movie right um (laughs) look i don't know i have so many different feelings about this movie okay let me start off with it's not canon right so it's not technically or like supposedly joker with Joaquin Phoenix is not canon. It's not technically part of like the other DCU continuity. It's its own movie and its own right. And that's what I kept hearing over and over again in the different like articles that they were writing and different commentaries by the people involved in making this movie. They were just kind of like, no, this movie is on its own. This is about the Joker. It is on its own. Like, they really, and so I was like, okay, so it's going to be a a movie that stands up on its own, its own right about the man behind the Joker, right? Which is fine. But this is a double-edged sword, because then now we've got different things happening in the DC realm as far as movies go, and I can't keep up with this. I'm losing track, okay? Um, I heard that supposedly we're getting a sequel for Joker, which I'm gonna go watch it, but I'm not happy about it. I'm just kind of like, it's fine. I could do without a sequel. I'm intrigued to know where they take the story at this point, considering the things that have happened in the movie. But I don't know. I'm not like too, I'm not hype about it. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, well, if the DCU hasn't gotten it together, why shouldn't Joker get its own train line of movies following it? So I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. But let's see, um, how that goes. And maybe it actually successfully builds a world in there, in their own right. Um, without, like, the external pressure that they're somehow, for some reason, putting on DCU. Anyways, before I say anything else about this movie, I love Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I, like, he's a great actor. He did an amazing job. He deserved his Oscar. Like, yes, that is undeniable. 
like wow wow with the g okay like he it, it was so good it was scary how he would transform right like i was like man this this man really is the joker he's so crazy and so i think maybe that was the hype around the movie was knowing like he's gonna kill it which he did but the actual movie itself the pacing the story the writing or well i guess the writing was okay but like the pacing and the story i didn't care for it i didn't i didn't care for this movie um like and maybe it's because i think part of it particularly with the pacing is that i'm so used to like you know, Marvel, where they're like, bam, wham, bam, thank you, man, action, 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 punches, punches, explosions. So I'm used to fast storytelling. We got shit to do in this movie. We got to set up the next movie. We got stuff to accomplish. We got to go, go, go. You know, insert this character, cameo here. Yeah, okay. So you got that down? You got the, you, you got that Wakanda is a country? Okay. All right, bring in Black Panther. All right, now we're having a Black Panther movie. All right, now he's in the rest of the Avengers movies. Get with the program. Like, keep up, right? It's so fast. (laughs) Um, Joker was a slow burn. And I don't do well with slow burn movies. And, you know, it's supposed to be all artistic and sad. And I'm like, this is... It was long. I was like, oh no, this movie was definitely like an hour too long. Okay. Um, like I said, like the whole I know may like I don't know, maybe I just can't concentrate anymore. But it was like so long. Everything was very long and very drawn out and lingering shots, and long dialogue where it didn't need to be long, and I don't care for that, no. Like, I will say, the last, what, 45 half hour of this movie, where you really start to see, like, Joker and not Arthur, was amazing. Like, and I guess, so I guess I could say what I liked about the movie was when he starts being Joker. Like, when you see the Joker we know and love. And so, the way that they portrayed it was awesome. It was amazing. But the whole rest of the movie, I was bored to tears. Um, The visuals were great. I liked that it was set, you know, kind of like in the 80s. But you also don't really know what time period it is, as I feel like a lot of Gotham-related things are. Like, you know, kind of like the show, um, Birds of Prey even kind of like has the same thing in the in the TV shows. It, like, I like that there are some modern things or some contemporary things like for the time period it's supposed to be set in but there's also some like old timey old-fashioned things that you're like I'm not really quite sure what time this is supposed to be set in you know it's kind of um ambiguous because these like I guess like the the lessons the stories that are told are supposed to be timeless and apply to a lot of different generations which is cool DC does that okay but at the same time, everything else kind of, I didn't, I don't know. And then I, uh, I don't know. And then it annoyed me while I was watching the movie when you do see the aspects that involve Batman, the Wayne family. I was kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Weren't you guys the ones making a big deal about how this is not a Batman movie, this is a Joker movie? And we know Batman's important because, hello, he's, like, the main character of this whole situation. But it's, like, if you made such a big stink about it, why then involve him and his family to the extent that they did in the movie? So that was effing annoying. Um... My biggest annoyance in this movie 
was, which, you know what, whatever. If you haven't seen, I guess spoilers, if you will. If you haven't seen the movie, you might want to skip this part. You could skip over to, like, 20 seconds or something. But, uh, inevitably, we got the Waynes being killed. Batman's parents being killed. Inevitably. It was gonna, I guess it was bound to happen. I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was annoyed. Like, I was enjoying, like, the end of the movie. Because I was like, okay, yeah, let's get shit done. And then, like, then you see... Like, it's funny because, like, the friend that I went with, they're like, oh, do you know what's about to happen? I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? And then I look at the screen and I see the flipping theater and I'm like, no. And it says Zorro. And I'm like, no, no, no. They are not about to kill the parents once again. If there's anything I could say about the DCU is that they need to stop killing Thomas and Martha Wayne. It's like freaking Ben Parker, Uncle Ben. Stop killing Uncle Ben. We can skip that part of the story. That is part of like American pop culture lore. Like people who don't watch Batman know that he becomes Batman because they kill his parents in front of him. Like we don't need to know this again. There is no need to spend... 10 minutes, 15 minutes on killing Batman's parents and watching the pearls fall. The gosh darn pearls. I swear to you guys, I was like hashtag triggered when I saw these pearls because I hate watching Batman's parents die over and over and over. Like how many different iterations of Batman's parents dying are we going to have? Okay. I'm going to get down from my soapbox about the pearls. But yes, I was really annoyed about that. Um, another thing that I was, um, I didn't really care for was like, yeah, so I know a lot of people were like, oh my God, the mental health message. Yes, the mental health message is important. I'm very, I'm a big proponent of the mental health message. Like, hey, you know, the government, the government needs to fund mental health services as someone who works in the in the mental health public social services field i could tell you the government needs to fund mental health services for sure and they need to stop cutting funding and then expecting people to be okay like they need to make mental health more accessible more affordable more efficient more effective more everything but even this was a little on the nose for me it was a little on the nose it was just like there i don't know it was just kind of i don't know i didn't like it everything else in the movie i guess was supposed to be a little more subtle but then this was very in your face and preachy and i was like okay i'm not caring for this at all um so yeah, like it wasn't a bad movie. There were definitely some things that I really liked. I liked Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Like I and I love that he's always dancing. That is one thing that I love. I'm like, oh yes, yes, dance everywhere. Like <laughs> um so that was cool. I guess I like the portrayal of, like, the slow descent into madness and how the... And I like the whole message that the Joker could be anybody. You know what I mean? Like, Red Hood type of situation. Like, that it could be anybody. It could be, you know... um, It could be anybody that you cross on the street. Like, you never know um, what kind of day that person's having. I like that, I guess, but that's about it. Um... I didn't really care for the movie. It's not saying that it's a bad movie. I just didn't like it myself. If that makes any sense. Objectively, it is a good movie. I just don't like it. On that note, I'm going to go ahead and say... Joker got three stars and one tear. Because I did cry in this one part. And in the uh, in the vein of not having spoilers... I'm not going to tell you guys when I cried. <laughs> Um, 
now we're going to go to the second part of our double feature, which is Birds of Prey. On the other hand, I flippin' love Birds of Pre Prey. Look at that. Great movie. Um, as we all know, the DCU is an utter mess. I didn't even really think this movie was going to really get made. Um, <laughs> I, like, I really didn't. I just thought this movie, if this movie, I just figured after Suicide, you know, Suicide Squad, they really weren't going to try to pursue, like, the Harley Quinn Joker thing. And I was right. They went and pursued the Harley Quinn thing <laughs> and not the Joker thing. So there's that. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. Needless to say, um, a, a few different things of what I really liked about the movie. I liked the hyper-realism of the movie, right? Like, if you watch it, it's very colorful. It's pretty fast-paced. It's kind of, like, crazy, right? But to me, I that fits a Harley Quinn movie because instead of trying to tell the story of Harley Quinn as told by an objective viewer. It's Harley telling her own story. So you see the movie as... Or at least that's the way I interpreted it, right? Is that you see the movie as Harley sees life. And I love that. Um, I like that. I kind of take it as like, okay, giving women... I mean, and of course, I'm going to find the women empowerment um, part of this of this movie it's like, you are giving Harley her own voice. And that's the whole point of this movie. Um, I didn't know until I got to theaters that it's technically called Birds of Prey, colon, um, an emancipation of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> so I love that. Um, but yeah, it's the whole thing of you are giving Harley her own movie. You're giving her her, her own voice. You're telling, like, and it's not like, okay, yeah, like, like I said, that someone else is telling her story. She's telling her own story. Um, so I like the hyper-realism for sure. Like, you're, like, which kind of also bleeds into the fact that, like, Harley is kind of like an unreliable narrator. Kind of in the same way, like, how Joker was, where it's like, you don't really know what is real what was real or what wasn't real like he was imagining things but at the same and and it's kind of like that with like the birds of prey it, not so much that she was imagining things but that everything is exaggerated like that's the way i took the movie is that she's an unreliable narrator because she embellishes thing and like embellishes things and so i kind of like that about the story that the story is, like, a little bit embellished, probably. The actual clothing is, like, literally embellished with so many different things. So that's pretty cool. Um, it, like, it, this portrayal of Harley is was much needed. I'm surprised this movie has not been more successful. But then, at the same time, not as that surprised. But, man, this was, like, a really important Harley story to tell. You know, it's the story of Harley is now on her own, separated from the Joker. Like, how does she do on her own? So, I like this, like, different um, perspective of her. Of course, her story, a big part of her story is the Joker, right? But she's also a woman in her own right and doing her own thing. So I really like that. Um, the movie is very dynamic. Like, I, I like the way they did this movie. For me, the editing was, like, a little weird. But also, like, it's very choppy. But at the same time, I took it as, okay, like, if this is really, truly, like, okay, the way Harley sees things, it's like, all right, Harley's, like, moving, moving, let's go. Come on, keep up, keep up. So I kind of like that too. Um, a lot of great settings in the movie. A lot of great locations. Um, a lot of great like like different things that are happening in the movie. And I really like it. 
you know, of course, Gotham is supposed to be like a la, um, a la, a la New York. But I love this other side of Gotham that we see through Harley's perspective, where it's not all doom and gloom. Everything is not like this huge, um, this like these huge, big, gray, dark buildings and. Et- like, even, like, the way they, they color the movie, I love it. Everything, because, like I said, it's, like, Harley's perspective. Everything is bright. Everything is colorful. Every Like, even if everything is not going well, right, everything is bright. Everything is colorful. Everything is flamboyant. Like, and it's, like, almost tipo New York where it's, like, yeah, there's, like, Manhattan, but then there's also, like, the village. You know what I mean? Or, like, Chinatown. There's, like, these different, like, little um, areas. And we get to see that other side of Gotham from Harley. And so that's really cool. Like, I liked that they did that. Um, taking it, like, a completely different direction from the other DC movies. Which is fine, because it hasn't been working. So they finally were like, let's try something new. <laughs> And hey, I get it. Gotham and like Batman's world is super dark. That's what makes it really interesting. But um, DC just hasn't found the way to treat it in this new contemporary like DCU situation. So I don't know. They'll figure it out. Um, I love that it has that same like. There's no. We don't know really what time period it is in the movie. Like, we know it's kind of contemporary, like, it's kind of modern day, um, because there's cell phones, some of the pop culture things that they reference, like, different things like that, but it, there's still a lot of, like, old-timey things, like, old-fashioned things, um, like, you know, Harley uses a payphone, like, a lot of the cars are vintage, um, a lot of the clothing is pretty vintage and pretty, you know, um, you know, throwback style. So I like that they kind of continue with that. Like that, I think is like just Gotham's defining thing. It's like, we don't know what time period this exists in. Um, what can I tell you? The actors were great. I kept seeing, like, every, like, there were people that I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what I like about this movie is that there were actors that were like, wait a minute. Is that you? Um, I want to start with Ewan McGregor. I would, because once again, I have not seen trailers. I don't know anything. I don't read anything. So I was like, wait a minute. Ewan McGregor is in this movie? He, and so, and he played, he played a great villain. Like, he was so nutty. Loved him. Um, that one guy, I, like, I forgot what his name is, but the guy who plays Danny on the Mindy Project plays Victor Zaz, and I love that the, like, like, I love the way, um, that Ewan McGregor's character Black Mask and Victor Zaz, who plays kind of, like, his lackey, his goon in the movie, I like their weird bromance relationship, or maybe it's, like, it's a bromance romance, maybe, I don't know. But, like, I like their weird connection in the movie. Like, it it's so weird. And you're like, what's happening here? Um, but I love it. <laughs> um, who else is in this movie? Rosie Perez. You know, she plays, like, you know, like, this pretty much New Yorkian cop in the movie. But as she's been around, she's done, like, a lot of great films. Um, Elizabeth Mary Winstead, or is it Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Whatever her name is, Ramona Flowers from Scott's Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim. Um, she's in the movie as well, and like I love it because she plays like you know a badass anti-hero for lack of a better word, I guess you could say. And um, I really like her. Like I haven't really watched a lot of movies with her, but she's really um solidifying her a- like her action chops. Like so, I think that's really cool. Um, I saw her more before Joker. I saw her in Gemini Man, and she did pretty great. I liked I liked her a lot in the movie, so that's cool. Um, so a lot of oh yeah, Journey, Flipping, Smollett, Belle, 
aka Jussie's sister <laughs> was in the movie and she sings in the movie she plays Black Canary I loved it um so that was cool so they had like a lot and of course Margot Robbie bro kills it as Harley like she is perfect the looks the manias like the way she speaks like the way like she like she is great um the action scenes I loved because I love fast paced action movies and I liked um we had lots of explosions but it was like very high like fight heavy like lots of fighting lots of like hand-to-hand combat and um particularly with Harley because Harley is not really like a strong character like physically strong right so her thing is her weapons particularly her mallet her her bat you know like those like those are her weapons of choice she's really good with weapons and she's good with the acrobatics right and because she's small and she's you know agile and so I really like that they highlight that in Harley is that um you know like she she's not fit like particularly physically strong but she uses her weapons and she uses gravity to beat people down so <laughs> I like that um I like that ultimately if you watch the movie when you really look at it Harley and Black Mask are kind of two two sides of the same coin like if you watch it they're both compet like they're both crazy they're crazy they're nutty and I love it and I love the way like the different ways that these two people like portray their crazy but they're like very like codependent um very possessive people and so I it's really interesting to see how these two actors how the writing flushes those characteristics out into different people um and so that's really interesting to see. Um, and then I also like that, because, you know, basically Harley's thing throughout the movie is that she doesn't have Joker. She doesn't feel, she feels like, you know, everyone's coming after her. She no longer has Joker's protection. She's on her own, right? And... um I like, so, a couple things, I guess more on, like, the feminist side. I like that the different characters who are involved in Birds of Prey, like, the different women involved, are all very different women with very different intentions, right? So, and, and, and their intention, so, their intention is to watch over this other girl, this little girl, but for different reasons, whether it's good or bad, you know, um, Renee Matoya, like her interest is to keep this girl safe and to um, take down the bad guy. Um, Harley's intention is to keep her safe until she can get what she needs from the girl. Um, Huntress's intention is has nothing to do with the girl, actually. The girl is just like a casualty pretty much in this story. And then um, Black Canary's intention is that Ahmed, she kind of feels bad for the girl because she knows the girl. So she kind of wants to look out for her, but look out for herself. So, and kind of do the right thing, but not really. And so I like that, that they're, I like that they're all very separated in the beginning. Like, they seemingly have nothing to do with one of one another even though their paths do cross with each other throughout the movie and then I like that at the end their common goal is the same which is to keep this one person safe but now they all agree on why they have to keep her safe so I thought that was really cool um <laughs> watch the movie talk to me about it I'd love to discuss um And I like also that Har- I like that ultimately 
hardly learns that just because, like, that she doesn't have to cut down a fellow female to protect herself. Okay? She learns that she, that just because she was hurt does not mean that she has to hurt others. You know what I mean? Like, hurt people hurt people. And so she messes up, but then she kind of redeems herself. Um, but like I said, I like that she learned that she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to protect herself at, she doesn't have to, yeah, she doesn't have to like protect herself at the expense of another woman that, you know, she can help out while also protecting herself. And I love that. And she can also sacrifice herself to protect someone else. So I love that. It's great. I thought that was a beautiful lesson. And that lesson is portrayed in a way that is different than the conversation we usually have, I think. Because I think a lot of times when it comes down to, oh yeah, like women um, need to look out for each other. And it's kind of taken more like, oh yeah, like women shouldn't be catty with each other, or which it's like, okay, well, there's like a much deeper thing to that, right? It's not that, like, <laughs> the defining factor of like, you know, women, whatever, cutting each other down doesn't necessarily have to be linked to cattiness. It could just be that you're looking out for yourself for real. But I like that that lesson is portrayed in a very, very different way and different dynamic in the movie. And so that kind of just made me think a little bit. I didn't go into this movie expecting it to be, um, you know, like, I guess a feminist movie for lack of a better term. I Like I said, I went in blind, but I really liked what I took out of it and what, like, the bigger picture is. I like the lesson. I like the things that the concepts are portrayed in the actual plot i like the the meaning behind a lot of um the stylistic choices that are made throughout the movie um i definitely teared up like for such a fun and like violent and uh actiony movie um i didn't think i would cry but there was a part where i did cry bro and it's and it's like it's a deep cut for Harley. It's like two different things happen that like are a deep cut for Harley, which is that that's what um kind of makes her be like, you know what? I'm going to take care of myself and and makes her feel that taking care of herself means she has to hurt somebody else, but then she learns that that's not the case. Um so I did cry. Um which leads me to I give it four stars, four stars and one tear. Um, I love the movie. There were some things I was kind of like, okay, all right, interesting. This is happening. This is happening. But then the really good parts of the movie were really, really awesome. Um, Another thing I forgot to mention, a point I forgot to mention is that, oh man, I think it's kind of a spoiler. All I can say is I like the different areas where they fight. There are different settings where they fight. There's, you know, fights in motion. There is a hand-to-hand, like I mentioned before. Um, I like the different settings that they have, like places that are important to Harley. Um, I love that the movie has like a special love for egg sandwiches because I flipping love egg sandwiches. So I'm like, yes, Harley, egg sandwiches though. So <laughs> um there's that. I highly recommend it. You guys should totally watch it, whether you're about like, you know, women empowerment or not. And if you're not about women empowerment, you should like open your mind and learn some more. Then you will be about women empowerment. But anyways, not the point. But um you guys should definitely check it out. Um, it's very like I said earlier. It's very interesting to see these two movies, and how they contrast each other. But that's the beauty of life, right? Is that not all art has to be the same, and just because it's not the same doesn't mean it's not good. 
so I think that's really cool. Um, I'm probably going to try to go watch Sonic because we owe it to the writers, or not to the writers, to the digital designers or whatever you, whoever, whatever that position is called, the animators, the CGI animators of Sonic to go watch the movie now. <laughs> you know, so I'm probably going to go watch Sonic and then I'll give you guys a little review of that. Um, join me next week. I'm really excited. I have a lot of um, other things to share for next week as we close out Black History Month. I want to thank you guys for joining me as always. I can't wait, like I said, to come back next week, share some fun stuff with you guys. If you want to reach out and share with me your opinions about if you've seen Liberty in the Soup, if you've seen Joker, if you've seen Birds of Prey, you want to reach out um, and discuss some more, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at millileader23 or no that's my snapchat let's try again snapchat is millileader23 <laughs> instagram is at sugarbeepodcastmiami you can hit me up you can actually send me voice messages on here on the anchor app as well if you don't have it you can download it and you can send me direct messages which i can actually play in the episode so that's cool um follow me on social media so you can keep up when i post the new episodes any updates i like to also post events especially now um during black history month and um don't forget to like and subscribe As always, see you next week.